Hello, this is LaShondra Baker, and you are listening to The Slapcast. Welcome, listeners from around the globe. (laughs) Hey, I like to dream big. (laughs) This is Slapcast number 28, and you are in for a treat today. But first, listen, it's still not too late. This is probably the last, but it's still not too late to register for our first public care to lead session of the year. It's on February 26th. It's a one-day workshop inspired by servant leadership. It's really heavy on personal and professional change. We give you a model for change and you can learn all about it and register at relayleadership.com slash care to lead. Also, we will be starting a subscription program. It's going to be tiered. And once you join at just $56 a month, you get a monthly group coaching call. Y'all it's a bargain. Make sure you're on our email list. So you get notified when this becomes available in April. And like I always say, you know where to find us at this point. Slapcast at RelayLeadership.org and on all the socials, okay? Jonathan, I'm so pumped today. You know how when you meet certain people and you're like, that's my person. Um, I know I'm going to like that person. I want to meet that person, whatever. And then you ask to meet the person and then you meet and you both are like, oh my gosh, I like you too. That's how it was when I first met our guest, LaShonda. She also goes by law. I know you know her, Jonathan, because she's the senior manager of employee engagement at startup Cinderella Story of Columbus, Cover My Meds, which is headquartered right here in Columbus. And I say that because that's where you work, Jonathan. Yeah. So I'm going to let her share a lot more about that in a moment. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, welcome to the Slapcast Law. You know how excited I am to have you here? Thank you. I'm excited to be here, too. I can tell. We've already been kind of uh, goofing off a little bit, so yes. started a little late, but that's okay. It's that's all right. okay. We're all, it's all good. So go to flow. I, I saw you speak here at a local event, local meaning Columbus. Mm-hmm. I think it was back in September, right? Was it September? Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, yeah. it was called Flux. Yes. And as soon as you started talking... I said to myself, and I think I told you this when I introduced myself, I was like, I want to meet this person. (laughs) Uh, You're electric in front of people, I think is what I told you. I stand by that. I went up to you afterwards and said, I really want to meet you and get to know you. And just so you know, I'm pretty introverted. Like that, it was a big deal for me to actually see someone and be so... um, drawn to them that I actually make that kind of step. I'm the person that doesn't do that. That's awesome. And so the rest is history. We got together, started talking. We've met a couple of times since then. And um, I just I just think it's a rare thing, at least in my experience, maybe it's not for you, to just meet people that I feel like that about and that there's just a connection. And so that's how we met. And now you're here on the Slapcast. I'm here on the Slapcast. So I shouldn't tell them about the 20 you slid in my pocket? No, no. That would be good if we just left that part okay. out. Okay. All right. Yeah. So she pays for her friendship. Just You heard it here first. <laughs> it's all good. I pay in like wine and yeah, yeah. Undying attention. Yeah, That's that right. Kind of stuff. I love it. That's great. So I am interested. 
uh, for our audience to learn more about you. Give us a little bit about your background, how that led to what you're doing now. Tell us what you're doing now professionally and just kind of tell us whatever you want us to know about you. Sure, of course. So um, my first life was in the hospitality industry. So I still love everything, my hospitality, the travel, the customer service aspect, the meeting and exceeding expectations. So all of that is very ingrained in me. I learned through the hospitality industry of Promise Corporation, who used to own Hampton Inns, NBC Suites, and Homewood Suites before they sold to Hilton a long time ago. And so they really taught me a lot about customer service and how to not only meet expectations, but exceed them. So it's kind of been something that was always in my brain, always, um, in hospitality. But I started working for a franchise of a hotel, uh, which is a little different than a corporate-owned hotel. And so as soon as my first three paychecks bounced, I bounced. Oh. So, because that's just kind of well. what I had to do. So I went to corporate after that. So kind of got into HR a little bit, because um, I always loved employees. I've mm-hmm. always been somebody that really loved who was working with me. And that made the company special to me. Yeah. Um, so got into that a little bit, then went into corporate communications because um, I love to talk. <laughs> Hence, I'm on a podcast. What's up? Um, so really had a good time with that. And then still did internal comms um, because I loved the employee aspect of it. So I just recently switched over from employee communications to employee engagement. And that is 100% my passion. And it really came through when you were talking that day. And that's what drew me to you because you know the engagement polls. Mm -hmm. They have improved for the first time in 18 years, according Mm -hmm. to Gallup, by what, three or 4%, which is a big deal, but Mm -hmm. they're still pretty bad, right? 74, 75% disengaged at work. Where, what what do you think? There's a lot of data around this, okay? So we can talk about the data if you want, but I'm just curious in your experience, what's driving that disengagement? Yeah, it's um, well, the data is great, but it's the stories behind the data that mm-hmm. really make, matters, right? So it's employees not feeling like they have a voice. They don't feel like they're being heard. They don't feel like they're being valued or respected in their workplaces. And so one of the things that corporations always try to do, they say, you have to leave your personal at the door and you just have to come in and be professional. That's not reality. No. People have things going on in their lives that affect how they show up every day. So if you have an organization that appreciates that and respects that, you will have an engaged employee. If you have somebody who tells them they have to separate that out from their professional life, they're going to be disengaged because their brain is still thinking about the thing that just happened at their house before they came to work. So you have to, as a corporation, figure out how do you impact this person in a way that if they bring luggage to the office, what do you offer them so that when they take it back home, it's lighter than when they came? That makes total sense. Now, when you talk about employee engagement or disengagement, however we want to attack this, I feel like there's a lot of ways people can feel like they're not heard, they're not seen, they're not Mm -hmm. appreciated at work that go far beyond just their work, the physical action of their work. So what are some ways... um, whether it be specific people groups Mm -hmm. or in general or both, Mm -hmm. do people feel like they're not important, they're not seen, their needs aren't being met through their workplace that should be? What are the different ways that shows up more specifically? 
Right. So that shows up in <clears throat> how they engage in their work. So if you are somebody who says, I do this frontline thing, and I say, oh, I think I have an improvement or innovation that can make this better. If your boss, your boss's boss, your boss's boss's boss says, oh, you don't know, I know better because I'm up at the top of the house, you're disrespecting them because they see this every day. But if they say, I see this today and I think it's going to be better. And then you're the boss. You say, because you see this every day, you know, tell me how it can be better. And you give them a chance to try something. And even if they fail at it, they feel like they had a piece of it. Right. So if you allow them to try something and they feel more like I have control over what I do every day, they are more engaged. Right. And then they also know how to. If you give them that opportunity, they will feel more loyalty to you and to the bottom line of the company, and they will work harder for you. So why aren't we doing this? I mean, it seems like it's a win all around. Right. Why aren't more leaders, more companies doing this for their people? Um, it's a lack of humility. Mm. Um, I think when you are someone who can say, I, I know I don't know everything. Tell me what I don't know. I do have blinders because I didn't have this experience. Tell me what I don't know. If you are willing to be humble and and to admit when you don't know something, that's when things can change for you because there's always something anyone can offer you, yeah. right? I don't walk in your shoes, so I can't say, oh, I know how you are. You have to tell me. And so I have to listen to you. I have to ask curious questions so that I really get it. And then we can work together to get to where we need to go, right? So if you know what I know and I know what you know, then we can get somewhere together, Yeah. right? And that has a level of respect and also a level of humility. I've always said it's a dangerous place when I think I'm the smartest person in the room. Yeah. I've never had that experience, to yeah. be honest with you, Yeah. where I thought I was the smartest person in the room, right. which is probably no. good. Um, no. But I've been around people that at the very least give off that air yes. that they've got the best idea and yes. we're not going to be able to improve on this. I've even right. heard a leader one time say, why am I always the one that has to come up with all the good ideas? Right. And when I heard that, I was just like, that dangerous. sounds really arrogant. It's <laughs> yeah. arrogant and it's dangerous, yeah. right? And even if he thinks it in his mind, even if he didn't even say it, if he thinks it in his mind, he's going to automatically shut people down. Yeah. And you have to give people leeway to try something. Even if they fail at it, then revisit and say, what lesson did you learn? Like, what is it that the nugget that you learned? Okay, now let's try something different using what you learned and see where we can go. Yeah, and that leader probably believes that he or she... Obviously, they believe they have the best ideas, yeah. but they believe other people don't have good ideas. But what's really happening is those people are not bringing their best ideas right. because they're not going to be listened to, appreciated. They're going to be shut down. Exactly. Listen, I'm okay if you say, you know what, Shannon? I appreciate you bringing that. Here's why that won't work. Here's how mm -hmm. what we know. I, I, I appreciate a quality why discussion of even if I'm not happy that my idea wasn't implemented, at least someone cared enough to explain it to me. Right. But when you just shut people down and say, no, we're not going to do that, it's, it is. It's very, um, it's demeaning in a way. Right. And I, I'm still in a mindset that if you tell me it won't work, I'd, you may be talking about a past experience. And if you're in a different place now with different people and different brain power, how do you know it won't work now? Because yeah. you could be in a different place from a company perspective. If you maybe had 500 people before and now you have like 800 people, you have 300 new brains and 300 new experiences that might have had a similar situation happen and they may tell you something you didn't already know. 
So I'm all for revisiting ideas if you're in a different place as a company with different employees. I'm so impressed by companies that embrace that kind of um, openness to mm -hmm. new ideas, especially from younger mm -hmm. employees. I think that there's a lot of bias with younger employees, just mm -hmm. the assumption, well, they don't have the experience, they don't have this, they don't have that. And where I see it most often when it's successful is you see some of these bigger companies that are highly innovative. And the experience I've had recently is my son is at a an internship with Dell Computers down mm -hmm. in Austin, Texas. And they have asked him to present them with what he worked on this semester and the innovations that he created. Mm -hmm. And all of the leadership is going to be in there because they want to learn from him. That's exciting. A college senior. That's wonderful. That, that they are sitting down and humbling themselves and saying, show us what we should be doing next. Right. And um, I think that is just amazing that that's how they treat their their interns yeah. because it it really does, it's telling him, but I mean, the bigger picture to me is it's telling him the kind of culture that they've got there, mm -hmm. that if he were to work there in the future or a similar company, that he will continue to be honored in that way and respected right. with his with his new ideas because, right. and you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, my son's the smartest kid. That's not... That's not at all what I'm saying. There are other interns, there are other younger uh, employees there that mm -hmm. have been out of college maybe only a few years, and mm -hmm. they treat them the same way too. And that's it's just great. really, really refreshing that the more experienced leaders are willing to learn from the younger ones. And I think that's just one example mm -hmm. of when that's not present, that we can bias based on age. And um, maybe, I don't know, is discriminate too strong of a word maybe? But when it comes yeah. to those ideas, I think that they can be discriminated against. Right. And then we don't get the best ideas bubbling up to the top. Right. No, now, I agree. Your role at Cover My Rep Cover My Meds is a senior manager of employee engagement. Mm -hmm. So what what do you actually do in that role? What's oh that consist of? Oh my gosh. Of? I have the most fun you can have at work. <laughs> I believe it. It's kind of ridiculous. I'm like, they pay me for this? <laughs> Holy crap. I got it good. So I used that 20 well that you gave me. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, so I think what they say is my my lovely tagline is that I create exceptional experience from entry to exit, right? So basically what that means is I am actually in charge of new hire orientation. So as soon as people come in, the first three days of employment, they spend with me and I get to give them all the good stuff about our company and all the challenging stuff about our company. And I say, where do you fit? How can you help? How do you see yourself as being valued? How can we make that happen for you? And that's a beautiful thing. And I love it. I absolutely love it. We have so many amazing, wonderful, smart, experienced, curious, creative people that come there. And it makes me super happy that I get to spend the first three days with them. And then during the course of their time, I help also administer our employee feedback survey. So we ask them very specific questions about what are we doing well as a business? What are we doing well as a culture? What aren't we doing so well as a business? What mm -hmm. aren't we doing so well as a culture? How do you fit in? What could we do better for you? And we take that information and then we start creating action plans behind it. And we help all of the teams and managers and people managers figure out how to solve some of their biggest problems during that course of time. And then at the end of people's career, cover my meds, whether it be you found an opportunity of a lifetime or you've retired or you just hit the lottery and you want to go spend a couple <laughs> weeks in Fiji. That's cool. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> I find out what you felt like was your greatest contribution to our organization. 
I thank you for that. And I wish you well, because it's I know that no one necessarily is going to stay there forever. But did we make them better? Did we help them become better for being with us than they were before they were with us? Yeah. Right. And there is a graceful exit and an appreciation that has to happen with that, too. So I have a little piece of all of that. It's kind of like really amazing bookends. It's kind of cool. Of someone's experience with the organization. Yeah. It says, I care about you even after you've left. Well, that's exactly right. And yeah. that, that's what I appreciate about my role is because we look at the person, not just the job that they do, but the person. So you may come in doing a role that you do really well, but then we hear your passion about something or we see something in you, we say, mm, I think you're better suited for something else. And then we give you that opportunity to be something else. Right. So it's not just you pigeonholing you into a role because that's where you came from. It's what drives you, what gives you energy, what gives you passion and how can we benefit you as a company and you benefit us as an employee. So you're doing this onboarding Mm -hmm. these three days. Mm -hmm. You're gathering information from them about um, make sure I remember you know, what they want to accomplish, what yes. their goals are. Yes. Do you ask things around how do they feel appreciated? I mean, Everything. Have you ever, well, like what's the strangest thing or like if you've ever asked someone, how can you feel appreciated? Was there something that just seemed not, not bad, but just like, oh, that's unusual. I never thought of that as being a way of showing appreciation to someone. Did anyone ever bring up something that they really wanted or really needed to feel appreciated work that was kind of out of the norm? Yeah. Um, not necessarily out of the norm, but what I think what people find when they come to us is that we're a little different as a company, <laughs> you know, we're a little special. That's what I tell people. We're a special at our company. Um, I, I think, noticed that when I took the tour. I know. It's like one of the things we always say is that we treat adults like adults, right? So if you come to me and you say, hey, you know, I really like to be somewhat autonomous in when I'm doing stuff. And I said, that's cool. So let's figure out what it is that you need from a guidance perspective. And let's tell you the goal we want you to go after. And then you just go do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So people feel like, oh, OK, you're not going to like like pigeonhole me. You're not going to like like micromanage me like you're just going to let me do my thing. And like, yeah. And people find like, okay, when is the shoe gonna drop? Like, this is not real, right? <laughs> so people feel that, right? They 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 think, okay, this is this is bizarre. I've never been able to do this in corporate life, right? And it's true. Like, I literally this year, 2019, or next year, whenever you hear this, 2020, I will have been in the working work world for 31 or 32 years, depending on where you look at it. And this is by far the best job, the best environment, the best company I've ever worked for in my life. That's amazing. And I've worked in four different states in this beautiful country. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like this place. That's awesome. I remember when you you took me on a tour and we were walking around and it, it's more than just a beautiful workspace. It's yeah. more than the open workspace yeah. and all that kind of stuff because a lot of places have that. What I found that struck me so much when I walked through Cover My Meds was the energy. Mm-hmm. It was buzzing mm-hmm. everywhere I went, whether it was in workspaces with cubicles. Um, I can't 
remember how many people I've told, the IT department, this guy had all these MacBooks lined up and you could tell he was just working on one after another after another. And he was, you know, you know, making jokes and stuff. And then everyone's up in the cafeteria and then you and I have lunch and it's like these chefs come out with this food and everybody yeah. just gets to eat food for nothing. Ridiculous food. And, and it was really so good. good. It was so good. Homemade salad dressing. Yeah. So like, good. Anywhere else would just give you a package. I mean, seriously. Of Marzetti. But that's, no, Karma right. doesn't have Marzetti dressing. No, they didn't. That's not homemade. even one. It's, it's homemade. It doesn't even have an expiration date. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's good food. And there doesn't need to be one because it all gets that's, eaten. It get, oh, does it, terrible oh, it gets. Oh, honey, they throw down. You put anything <laughs> on the counters, in the jars, in the refrigerators, <laughs> it's gone. Gone. And then Jonathan, who the audience knows who produces this podcast, he just started there about mm-hmm. a month ago. And I was texting him, or maybe you text me and said, Are you here today? Or whatever. I said, Yeah. And he told me where he was. He goes, I'm up. What was that area considered? The like community the space. community space. He goes, mm-hmm. I'm up in the community space with my laptop and a beer. Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's every day I cover yeah. my meds. <laughs> you know, like we recently just even had our holiday luncheon. We call it our holiday luncheon. And it's, it's literally a free day for people to do whatever they want to do. And most people start off with mimosas and then they go to Irish coffee and then possibly some high octane bourbon. And then they go party <laughs> all day. And the company supports that. They're like, we work hard, we play hard. Yeah. And that's the thing. People come to our office and they think it's cool and they see video games and they see beer on tap and they're like, oh my God, you guys just have fun all the time. And I'm like, we have fun a lot. But honey, let me tell you, we work. Yeah. I mean, the results matter. If we did not put the effort in, the work in and get the results we needed, we wouldn't have all these fun things that we do. That must mean you hire carefully. We hire. It has to be because you could easily hire someone that doesn't fit in that environment very well who would either maybe take advantage or not thrive in that kind of um, relaxed environment because some people do need more boundaried workspaces. I mean, even physically. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you have to find the right fit for that. We have to find the right fit. And I'll tell you an example. We had 300, a little over 300 jobs open over the course of this last year. We had 30,000 applications. Oh my gosh. 30,000. I cannot even imagine. Applications for 300 jobs. Wow. Wow. Well, I get why people yeah. want to be there, and I don't mean the booze. I mean, yeah. That to me, it was about the energy. The energy, it is about the energy. walking through there. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing is, we have a mission that people really a hundred percent believe in. You know, we're in healthcare, which is one of those things that you don't just go in it willy nilly. You go in it because you have to go. It's like one of the most vulnerable, difficult times of your life is when you seek out healthcare. So you're already in a mindset that is of less than or anxiety or stress or sadness or whatever. So what we do is we try to help you in every way possible when you get to that point where you've been diagnosed and you have a medication therapy that you now have to be on. How can we get you that medicine as quickly as possible? How can we get it to you in the most inexpensive way possible and get you on that life-changing therapy yeah 
And that's what our people do. And so they're sold out for it and they believe in it 100%. And that's what wakes them up every day. And you've won awards for this kind of culture, yes. right? Cover how many, oh how my many gosh. years? Uh, I saw the awards. It's insane how many years. Even just this last year, we've won best place to work for parents, best place to work for women, and we just won a glass door, best place to work, number 15 in the country. Oh, I saw that. I think on uh, LinkedIn or something yeah. like that. That's number awesome. 15 in the country. We beat Facebook. I didn't Facebook. realize it was in the we country. We beat Facebook. What's up, Mark what? Zuckerberg? What's up? We coming for I'm you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Use your portal to say congratulations. Well, and you know how Mark Zuckerberg is. Well, I, I won't know. get into that. Cut that part Whatever. out. I'm not Whatever. Get, I'm not going to get into politics. He is salty. Yeah. He's drinking high. He's drinking high octane bourbon right now because he is way down the line on the list. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's that. So, yeah, so, but our awards are only important to us because it's our employees who yeah. give us those awards. They are the ones who fill out the surveys and say the things and fill out the reviews and say the things. And if it wasn't true for them, it wouldn't be true. It sounds like everybody, as you describe this unifying purpose of how you serve the end user of yes. what you do. Yes. Everybody is centered around this unifying purpose. This becomes a part of your culture. How do you protect that and make sure that this culture continues year after year after year? Because any organization is subject to mission drift. Mm -hmm. And um, that might be more of a nonprofit term, but I think if that makes sense to everybody, mm -hmm. this idea that our mission gets a little off course and it affects our culture or our culture gets off course and it affects our mission either way. How do you make sure that you really watch over that? And whether I, whether it's you specifically or the organization, what do they yeah. do from a leadership perspective to watch over that and protect that? Well, first of all, we don't mandate it from the top. Even our core values mm -hmm. that drive our organization were created by our employees. Interesting. We have a bottom up culture where if you are one of the 1,200 plus people in our company, you have authorship and autonomy on the culture. It is you, it is you, it is me, it is him, it is everybody. So the top level people don't just say, you're going to go do this. We say, what are we, what are we going to do? Yeah. Because we are all responsible for the culture. If there's something about the culture that you don't like, you are empowered to figure out how to make it different. Right. So every single employee we have is empowered to make a change. You don't have to wait for the big boss to tell you it's OK. You're like, this doesn't feel right. Let's go do this. And so you have all these people from all levels of company feeling empowered to be exactly what they need to be and go after the things we want to go after. And we applaud that and we support it. That's the difference. You don't have the top down mandates of this is what you will do. We're like. What do we need to do? Yeah. And we get in there and we grind and we make it happen. That's definitely turning traditional leadership on its head. Yeah. Traditional. I mean, we yeah. would call that servant leadership. A lot of yeah. people struggle with servant leadership as a term. Yeah. Because they think it means we just give everybody what they want and nobody has to perform. No. And we just, and, and that's not what it is at all. No, not and at all. The way you've described it is beautiful, which yeah. is, it's not top down. It's, it's. It's all of us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more it's collaborative. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, and we tell people, like literally from the day they walk in and I'm in orientation, I said, if you see something that can be better, tell us. If you want to do something different, tell us. Like you have a voice, use your voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, of all the things you get to do, uh, maybe it, 
something you haven't even mentioned yet, but what's your favorite thing that you get to do at your oh, job? Oh, gosh. And why? I tell you what's funny. Like, because I'm now approaching my fifth decade on this round globe, third rock from the sun. Um, <laughs> and so I see myself now as an elder in the workforce. Okay. Um, not that I, you know, don't have aspirations to go and grow and do my thing, but I look at myself kind of almost like... Um, for Matrix fans, I'm the Oracle. Oh, I'm baking cookies in my kitchen. I'm welcoming Neo in. It's all good. So, <laughs> I love that what imagery. I'm feeling like <laughs> is that people come to me because we have a lot of younger of workforce, and they're like, "I don't know what I'm doing. I want to grow. I want to be better. Can you give me some advice from your experiences?" And so, I'm probably most the most people. 20 years older than most of the people that I work with. So it's kind of cool that they're kind of me saying, I know you've seen a lot. I know you've done a lot. How can I, give me some advice. How can I do this thing? And so I've been literally being like this mentor to people. Like, "Mm, sage. Mm." (laughs) That's the word for it. Sure. (laughs) I like Um, that. I like sage. (laughs) I so sage. She's great. She's seasoned. Good steak, honey. A lot of marbling in this girl here. A lot of marbling. It's great. I mean, like a wise It's great. Oh, I get you, girl. I get you. Um, it's great. And I, I love it because then I feel like I'm so useful. Like I have learned a lot in those 32 years of working that I can help people do. But what I always tell people is you, whatever you need to be successful is already in you. You just need the right unlock. I love that. To get you to where you need to go. Like, there's nothing I'm giving you. I'm just helping you uncover, unlock, get unstuck, all those things that it's already inside you. So I like to be kind of that that guidepost for people. It's kind of cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. So you carry that wisdom with you every day. Yeah. You make it available to those who want to know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it sounds like you operate it on a regular basis. Oh, every day. So many every leaders day. don't, as almost a power over, don't dispense wisdom like that mm-hmm. with the attitude of, well, I had to learn the hard way, so do you. Mm-mm. Or, you know, nobody had to tell me what to do. Nobody had to answer those questions for me. Figure it out, bud. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I so love about that is your willingness to share to impart, if you will, Mm -hmm. to be that wise sage. Um, I also think, and I could tell just as we were walking through the building, how much respect people have for you, how Mm -hmm. much fun they have around you. And I think that that that's what I would want as an employee or as a leader, I would want in someone in your role. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, a lot of people get weird about, well, I'm here to work and not make friends. And they, they associate being friendly at work, approachable at work with not getting work done. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look up the definition of friend, it's to be known, liked, and trusted. Right. Well, those three things are really important. Oh, yeah. Now, everyone may not like me all of the time. I get, and that's right. okay. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Right. I get it. But if I work at being known, liked, and trusted for mm-hmm. the right reasons mm-hmm. so I can influence people yeah. for good, I think that's a pretty good thing to, to strive for. That's awesome. No, I, I, I laugh because even when I put messages out, I usually say, hello, friends. <laughs> don't I? I do that, don't I? Like, it, it, it's just my thing. It's like, because I do want people to feel like, oh, that's, I know I can trust law. And I have people come to me with some serious, serious I was wondering stuff. about that. Like, oh, it's, it's deep. And the good thing is, 
or a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, I'm an empath, so I feel mm-hmm. very deeply with people. But what I also know is where people need to go to get the help they need. And I don't need to have ownership for it. I don't need to have the recognition for it. I'm like, oh, I know who you need to talk to. Let me get you connected. So I'm very quick to connect them with the right places so they can get what yeah. they need. You know, and that's kind of also my role. Like, I need to know where to go to get what they need, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's not always me solving the problem. It's just me making the connection. And that's important to me. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, employee engagement, hot topic, mm-hmm. big topic. Um, I think it's getting more and more popular as we're starting to see even some larger, really large employers tackle engagement. I, mm-hmm. I know firsthand that AEP um, actually brings Gallup in mm. to do an employee mm-hmm. engagement um, survey mm-hmm. once or twice a year. I can't remember which it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't just do the survey and go, oh, that's nice. They actually mm-hmm. take action. I know certain, I know a few department heads over there. And so mm-hmm. what they're doing is when they see that they're scoring low in a certain area, then mm-hmm. they start creating strategic objectives within their departments mm-hmm. or, or whatever they're mm-hmm. directing mm-hmm. to try to address that. Mm-hmm. The reason why that's exciting to me is I'm trying to imagine myself at the helm. I can't even imagine it at the helm of an, of a, a workforce of 18,000 people. Mm-hmm. And when they first started this work, their employee engagement scores were not great. Mm-hmm. Trying to turn that kind of ship. So I, I wonder if it's more and more companies that have a bigger footprint on that Gallup poll mm-hmm. that are actually starting to listen and realize, wait, we're hurting the future of our business. Our bottom line is suffering if we don't address this. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious if, if that's why we're seeing the gradual shift now in employee engagement changing. But so that's why I think they're focused on it is because they... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more pie in the sky, silver lining. Like I think that they're seeing the writing on the wall. Sure. But I might be wrong. Why do you think more companies are focusing on this um, that than ever before? Because we're hearing yeah. a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, if I just think about us, you know, not to brag, but this is the thing: we have ninety-two percent engagement. Wow. Anything that's nine, ninety above is like best in class. That's, that's like that's crazy stuff. Yeah. But the reason we have engagement is because we have empowerment. Right. You have to empower your employees to feel like they're making a choice. They're making a decision. They're making a difference in your business. And that thus makes a difference in your culture. So I think a lot of companies now are looking at their bottom lines and it's like we're struggling. You know, there's people who, like you said, it's like 74 percent disengaged people. Like disengaged people show up to work, but they don't do work. Mm -mm. They they they're just there. There's no discretionary know? effort. There's None. no discretionary effort. They don't go the extra mile. They they may do bare minimum just to get by, you know. And that's not a business that flourishes. Mm-mm. That's not a business that grows. That's a shrinking business. That's the kind of business that does layoffs and and those kinds of not so nice feeling things and taking away Christmas parties and taking away, you know, travel expenditures. That, that's the kind of company that does that. But when you have an engaged workforce, you grow like crazy mm-hmm. because people are putting that output because they feel loyalty to you. They feel like they're making a difference. They feel like they have control over their livelihood, over their work, over the outcomes 
And that makes all the difference in the world. So if you want to grow your business, you will have engaged employees and you will do what it takes to get there. If you want to go away and file bankruptcy in a couple years, <laughs> Blockbuster didn't file suit with Netflix. I'm just saying. <laughs> if you want to not listen to the people, that's what will happen. What, what are the primary barriers, you think, to improving employee engagement right now? What are the big barriers? Um, not, maybe not for cover my meds. Yeah, obviously. For, but I think, I think <laughs> it's back to our earlier conversations. It's this you being so arrogant that you think somebody else doesn't have the answers, right? It's yeah. it's you. I mean, like we have so many things in history we can look at as the arrogance of this thing, Polaroid, Sony, I mean, Blockbuster. We can name all these companies who thought oh, we were just so good at this. We're not worried about this little guy who's coming up. And now they don't exist. Mm -hmm. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to understand that even as a CEO of a company, you need advisors around you. And all those leaders need advisors. And it's literally this cyclical, we call it the virtuous cycle. We talk mm -hmm. about that all the time. I like that. At our, at our office, we talk about that all the time. You've got to be willing <clears> to say, I don't know. What don't I know? Tell me what I don't know. Like, I can only see this far. Tell me what's this 360. Well, I can turn my head all the way around because I can't see everything. Tell me what I don't see. And to do that with intention. With intention. And, and authenticity. Yeah. Like, right. not... Hey, tell me what you think's not going to work and to look good. Right. But then actually you just turn it all away. Right. For real. Like, like you I really mean it. I just, do you know who Adam Grant is? Mm -mm. So he is, um, he's an author, speaker. He's actually by trade, his formal training is an organizational psychologist. <laughs> and he started getting more and more popular over the last few years on LinkedIn. And mm. now he's spoken and, and trained, you know, the biggest companies the world over. Right. And he was recently on a podcast and he was telling the history of how he got started and how when he first started speaking publicly, he started doing um, guest lectures at the university where he went to school and was a, a professor or mm -hmm. I'm sorry, maybe not even a professor yet, but he wanted to do guest lectures for the sole purpose of getting more experience speaking publicly. Mm -hmm. And so guest lecturers don't normally get feedback forms, mm -hmm. but he wanted to know how he was doing. And he got feedback like, I feel so uncomfortable because mm -hmm. you're sweating and you're nervous and everything. And oh. so he used that to improve. He realized that all of his improvement as a public speaker was because of the negative feedback that he received. Mm -hmm. So to this day, and this is someone who's Wharton College, you know, very accomplished. He has what he calls a challenge network. Mm. And it's a specific group of people that are largely made up of students at Wharton plus some other professionals where if he writes a new blog, if he's writing a chapter in a new book, if he's getting ready to design a new speech, he gives it to them and asks them to like, give me your worst. Like, tell me exactly what's wrong with this. The first mm -hmm. book that he wrote was basically a collection of all of his ideas around organizational psychology. Mm -hmm. It was 102,000 words. Now, mm. just to, in case not everyone understands what kind of book that is, for a leadership book, the average size is 200 to 250 pages, which is roughly 50,000 words. Mm -hmm. So this was an enormous body of work, mm -hmm. okay? Like way longer than a leadership book probably should be. Mm -hmm. He gives it to his challenge network. And some of the comments he ba got back were things like, well, let's just say this. 
in reading it, it didn't exactly make me want to turn the page. Mm. <laughs> he scrapped all but 1,000 words. Wow. He scrapped 101,000 words and started over because basically he's a, he's a researcher. And so mm. it was just a string of research papers. My point is, is that I think that is a very overt and wonderful example mm-hmm. of how a leader and anyone who's trying to improve on mm-hmm. something, if they purposely put a challenge network around them, that is mm-hmm. a huge step of vulnerability, humility, mm-hmm. that can bring improvement. I don't know how yeah. we get bigger companies to do that that aren't like that, but yeah. But I thought it was a great example of mm-hmm. what you just shared. It's yeah. really inviting in the criticism. Yeah, and we actually do that on a regular basis. We do our monthly we call it all staff meeting so it's where we kind of give people the debrief on our like our finances like these are big wins we had these are things we hope we could do better our strategic plan kind of thing but at the end of all of that we have the amas kind of like reddit ask me anything right Mm -hmm. and sometimes there's some hard-hitting questions (laughs) that come from our staff and we don't shy from it Whatever we don't answer live, we go back to a web page, an internal web page, and we answer the questions. And our leadership has never shied away from the hard-hitting questions. And it's one of those things that we always test ourselves with. And we always say feedback is a gift. We say it it all the time. Feedback is a gift. Even if the package is kind of a a, a paper bag that's been wet. (laughs) A little rusty. In... in, in, (laughs) In the rain, had a liquor in it, and then liquor waste in it, and then like it's like it's very soggy, like whatever the paper bag is, like what else is in there, mm-hmm. you know? And even if something is a little biting, there's probably some ounce of truth or something that's in it that we need to explore, yeah. and so we do that. And so yeah, we we have everybody kind of say what what are we not thinking about, and we take that feedback like okay, you said this, so let's go investigate. How do we get more action around figuring out how to get better? Yeah. And we have ambassadors. That's the other thing. We take the feedback that we have, and every team has what we call a, a, a delegate that works with that team and says, okay, here's our information. What are we going to do to change it? So we empower people on the teams to work with our team to make things better. So we don't just say, oh, we're talent management. We can do this. It's <laughs> like, it's your team. You know each other better than we do. What's going to work? Yeah. Let's try it. Yeah. You know? What are you doing or what do you believe needs to be done to prepare your workforce? Let's talk about mm-hmm. Cover My Meds. Sure. To become future leaders. So these aspiring or up and coming, mm-hmm. um, maybe they don't even know it yet. Yeah. How are you preparing that next generation of leadership? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we always talk about, we, we try to give them confidence mm-hmm. that they do have a voice and they need to practice it. You know, not everybody's going to be an opera singer like Leontine Price. That's a black opera singer if you don't know, y'all. Leontine Price, look it up. Google it. Um, but sometimes they might be the William Hungs of the world. What? <laughs> oh, she bangs, she bangs. That's right. She moves, she moves. So, I mean, it's like you have a voice. Sometimes it's better used this way. Sometimes it's better used that way. Mm-hmm. So let us help you develop that. Right. You have ideas. Maybe they're not fully baked. Let's brainstorm. Let's talk about it. How do we help them be fully developed? 
how do you collaborate with other people? Because no man is an island, right? You cannot do anything by yourself. How do you communicate and collaborate with your teammates to influence them and get them to do the things that you need them to do? That's how you do it. You have to really help each person reach their maximum potential. And it's going to be different per person. So the same formula is not going to work for everyone. So you really have to get people who are willing to be vulnerable as a leader to say, this is where my shortcoming was. This is what I did. But also get them to build that trust with you so they can talk to you about the insecurities they have and you can help them overcome them. I love that. One more question. Yes. This is an easy one. Okay. If people would like to connect with you after hearing you on this podcast, how would you want them to do that? How can they get a hold of you? Well, they can send me $20 like you did okay. in the mail. It works, guys. Or PayPal. It works. Or Venmo. Or I got Venmo. a Venmo now. What's up, y'all? <laughs> I'm in the future. What's up? I don't up? think we've ever had anyone give their Venmo name. <laughs> that actually might be a good idea. Do it. I'm going to start putting on our, maybe we need a Patreon or something with the relay yes. donate button. <laughs> yes. Donate here. That's right. Yes. Listen, these podcasts are, this is not free. Jonathan's dollars. not here as a volunteer. That's exactly right. Listen. That's right. Pay right. this boy. What's up? Um, so they can reach me on, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as L-A-L-A-B-A-K, like Lala back. Okay. Like I'm bringing Lala, Lala back. back. I love act. that. You other girls don't know how to act. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, JT. Don't be coming up and getting me. <laughs> the same, you saying YouTube. Comment down. Um, but they also can reach me on LinkedIn. It's okay. LaShondra B. Baker. L-A-C-H-A-N-D-R-A B. Baker. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I've had so much fun having you here tonight. I had a great time. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Until next time, everyone. Peace.